welcome to Dental Appointment, a podcast by two dental students aiming to give you an insight into the world of dentistry. We will be discussing all things dental related, from dental applications to life as a dental student. We will also provide you with an insight into our own experiences, as well as talking to other members of the profession about a range of different topics to get their views and learn about the different opportunities after dental school. My name is Ryan. And I'm Becky. And this is Dental Appointment. Welcome back. Today we're discussing what is involved during an application to dental school. Some things to consider when thinking about universities. We'll also be giving some tips from our own experiences throughout the episode. Today we are joined by Priscilla, a fifth year dental student from the University of Leeds. Hi everyone, it's really great to be here. Hi Priscilla, thanks for joining us. To jump into it, could you just tell us a little bit about UCAS and what buying students are to expect when they're going through UCAS? When applying for dentistry, you will usually apply through UCAS, um, and that is the central place that most students will apply for university. And when applying, you will need to put in your GCSE subjects and also your GCSE grades. You also need to put in your A-levels and also your personal statement. Personal statement needs to be about 4,000 characters, which works out about, what, 47 lines? Not very long at all, to be honest. It's important to note that a huge amount of the application itself is is basically admin. So you're looking to fill in things such as your details, your grades, what school you go to, things like that. And these are all easy things to fill in. So these are things that you can crack on with now and get that all filled out so that it saves you the time later on when it's maybe more stressful and you've more worried about your actual personal statement itself. It's nice to know that all of that's done for you and as soon as your personal statement is finished, you can just submit that application. Uh, From that, like the deadline for UCAS for dental school is the 15th of October every year. So it is earlier than other courses. So just bear that in mind when you're applying for dental school, like your peers might be applying in December, January time. There is a cost associated with it as well, which is about £26. And for dental school, you have four choices, with the fifth being something else. Um, That's something that we'll discuss later, which could be like biomedical sciences or something like that. And also, when writing your personal statement, it might be slightly different from the way your friends are writing theirs. So usually you put in your work experience. You also want to highlight a lot of the extracurricular activities that you've been doing, any position of responsibility that you may have at your school and really reflect on those so that the universities know what skills that you're going to bring to the course. Great to highlight that, that it's not just work experience, it is from your extracurriculars and like volunteering jobs and things that you have throughout this whole COVID situation as well. Like if you've been volunteering to get a neighbour's food shopping, for instance, like you can get attributes and skills from that. It's just reflection. Overall, your personal statement should tell the universities why you want to do dentistry, what attributes you have that make you right for dentistry show these through your experiences that you write about and that you reflect upon and tell them how these skills that you have will make you a good dentist basically so they want to know why you're the right person for the place yeah definitely and it's also important to highlight that it it is a personal statement so it shows your personality as well so one thing I would suggest is get as many people in your life whether it's friends family teachers anybody really to review it and see if you shine through as a person as well 
another reason why your work experience is quite an important part of your personal statement is because when you finish your work experience, you can ask the dental practice to give you a reference, which is a couple of words that they will write about you. And it really shows your character in a positive light. It shows your interest and your passion in dentistry. You can then give the reference to your school for them to include in your official UCAS reference. If you don't have enough space in your personal statement to put a bit of information of the things that you've done at school, you can always tell your school about this and they can include it in the reference that they write about you. That's very true. And a reference is a part that you do fill in too. So you just put in the email address of the person that you want to write it. And like Priscilla was saying, if you don't have enough space in your personal statement, you can sort of tell the person that's writing that for you to include it in your reference. And speaking about space, in the application what we all found and you guys will all find as well is that 47 lines is not a lot of text to be cramming a whole life's worth of experiences into but you've got to remember that it's impossible to cram everything that you've done into that personal statement but the most important thing is that you're able to pick the best experiences that you've had and reflect as well as you can to show what you've learned from these experiences and anything else that you might have left over is all things that you can take with you to the interview and form content that you can talk about there as well. So don't think, oh, I'm really disheartened that I didn't get to put that in my actual application because I think that's important. There's still time to mention that to the universities when you go for interviews as well. Applying for dentistry all starts from your GCSEs. And you want to get the best possible grades in your GCSEs, especially in science. So biology, chemistry and physics and also English language and maths. Ideally, you want a minimum of grade nine to six or grade A star to B in order to put you in a really good position to keep up with the competitive nature of dentistry. This is one of the things I kept hearing before applying to dentistry that it was really competitive. So I knew that I had to work hard for my GCSEs to put myself in a really good position. And also doing well in your GCSEs will allow you to pick the correct A-level subjects that you need to do for dentistry. So typically it will be biology and chemistry that you need to take at A-levels. And then the third subject can be anything that you're interested in and anything that you are quite strong at. So it could be French or another language or physics if you wanted to. In my case, I did psychology. I know a couple of my dental friends did maths as their third subject. The grades that they're usually looking for are AAA in these three subjects. Some universities, one or two might ask for an A star AA, but most will ask for AAA in order to be able to fulfill the minimum requirements to start studying the course. There are certain circumstances where the entry requirement might be an ABB, and these are known as contextual offers. So these are offered mostly to students who are from a widening participation background and an underrepresented background for dentistry. In terms of grade requirements for the International Baccalaureate, so IB, the major subjects that you need to take are chemistry and biology, and you'd be looking to get about a 36 or 37 points overall with around sixes and sevens in your higher subjects. So the equivalent to GCSEs in Scotland is national fives. And from there, you, you then go on to do hires, which is the equivalent of A-levels. 
You are hoping to aim highly in these to have a chance of getting into dental school and the grades that are required can be found on each of the university's websites. So you can go on and you can find these under entry requirements. So now we've thought about UCAS and filling that in, we've got our personal statements done. What else do we need to do before we complete the application? So depending on the university that you apply to, you might need to take the UCAS or the BMAT. So both of them are entry tests that help interviewers to pick who they want to invite to the interview. Dentistry, as I mentioned before, is really competitive, so it really helps them make a decision. The UCAS is quite a strange test. There are five sections, and four of them are main sections where you get an average score. And the last section is known as a situational judgment test, where you'll be given a band. So with abstract reasoning, one of the sections, there are different sets of shapes and it's all about you spotting patterns and seeing similarities between the sets and being able to answer a question about it. There's verbal reasoning. So that is where you read like a passage and you answer questions on it. They sort of range from about, from what I remember, about four or five questions for each passage. And then you go on to another passage and you have to read it. The passages could be on any topic. So you could get a passage that is linked to science or you could get one that is linked to history. And a really good tip for this is to try to read lots of small news articles or texts and try to read it really quickly because you'll find that in this test, it is really time pressured and you need to work really fast in order to do quite well in the test. Another thing that I noticed about verbal reasoning was that you've got to kind of leave everything that you know at the door. Anything that you've heard before, whether it be this, the sky is blue or whatever, goes out the window because you can't make assumptions in these tests. And a lot of the time, if it's not stated within the text, then you can't just assume that. That's a way that they try and trick you out on the, the answers is to try and lead you down the track of what you would just assume is true. But if it's not actually in the text, you can't come to that conclusion. The next section is quantitative reasoning. And that is all about your math skills. Usually you'll get questions that are related to percentages, ratios, graphs, and lots of small calculations that you need your mental math to help you succeed in. So the decision-making section requires you to use your logic and reasoning to solve different textual and visual data and the questions related to that. So it's really how you respond and you go through the information that's presented in front of you to reach your decision at the end of that in the question. A tip here actually would be to look up Venn diagrams. That's something I never really knew before I practised. And finally is situational judgment. And it's sort of a what would you do in this situation type of section where you're faced with a scenario and there's usually some sort of conflict or problem in the scenario. And then you have to write a solution to the scenario from the most appropriate to the least appropriate. Most of these situations are medical based as well. Um, so it is, situ it is the scenario that you will be in as a dentist. Do you know what score is best to aim for? So it all depends on the university. Mm -hmm. There is no magic score that you need to get in order to be invited for an interview. But some universities will have a cutoff point. So if you don't get that score that they're looking for, you just won't be invited to an interview. Whilst others will rank you and will just favour those with a higher UCAT score. I think, like you were saying, there isn't a magic number. You can look up each year what the average is. I think that comes out around November time on the UCAT website. And you can also ask the universities as well. When I was preparing for UCAT, 
I didn't overwork myself. I did it three times a week and I made a plan and I stuck to it. And a few tips for the UCAT, I would say, is firstly practice. As with anything, practice helps you get better at things. There's a variety of online resources. So they have a whole question bank that you can go through. There's different types of books. It's important to try and get your strategy of how you are going to tackle each section and then time yourself to see how many questions can I answer in this time. In the actual UCAT itself, I would say time is of the essence. So if you look at something and you think that you're maybe going to struggle on that part or if you think it's going to take a lot of your time to try and get the answer, then flag it and move on. And if you have time at the end, you can come back to those. So you can go through it quite quickly if you tactically flag questions that you know are going to drain you of a lot of your time. Also, when you come out, you'll be given your result. So you'll know what result you've got. And you will have probably went in with a score that you want to get in your head. And if it goes well, then congratulations. And if it doesn't go as well, remember what we've been saying previously is that universities do value UCAT differently. Some think of it very highly and others judge it less so. So it does mean that you can be a bit strategic about what unis you're going to apply to. So if you know a certain uni maybe values UCAT a bit lower than another and you've maybe not done as well as you'd have hoped, then it would be wiser to apply to the uni that doesn't value UCAT as highly. Yeah, and that goes for personal statement and grades as well. So it is purely trying to look at the universities and trying to work out how they do weigh each of these aspects of your application to see which universities you have a best chance of getting into. And some universities don't even require the UCAT at all. So as far as I know, Leeds University is the only university that asks for BMAT instead of the UCAT. And that is a different type of entry test. It's a two-hour test, and usually it is a pen-to-paper test, although for recent applicants, it did look quite different, and it was on the computer because of COVID. There are three sections for this test. The first section is your critical thinking. The second section is your scientific knowledge up to GCSE, and it also includes maths. And the third section is where you have to pick from a number of essay titles that they may give you and write a very short essay. You have limited space for this essay, so it's very important that you get your points across in a very concise and clear manner. You're also marked on your spelling, punctuation and grammar in this section. I would say it's very important to make some sort of schedule for yourself because these tests are usually done in the summer or just at the beginning of the new academic year. So Sometimes you're inundated with a lot of work that you're already doing and so it's important to keep organised when revising for these tests. In my case, I was revising for the UCAT and then the BMAT and I also had my year 13 subjects to do, which was quite a lot. So it was helpful for me to make some sort of timetable to structure my time. And when is it that you need to book these tests? You'd usually book the UCAT in the summer and I'd say try to book it as early as you can so that you have a selection of dates to choose from and you can pick the most convenient time for you to sit the exam. And for the BMAT, you usually book that in the autumn term. The main difference is that with the UCAT, you can pick what day you sit that test, but with the BMAT, there are two dates to sit the BMAT. One of them is before the UCAT deadline and the other is after the UCAT deadline. So you have an option of which one to pick. And is it just the University of Leeds that requests the BMAT? 
for dentistry, the University of Leeds is the only one that requests that. For me personally, I think being able to change the date of the UCAT is quite handy. So if you know that your UCAT's coming uh, quite soon and you don't feel like you've had enough time to prepare or you don't feel like you're as prepared as what you would have wanted to be, if you book your test early, there is time to push that test back. And this is something that you won't be able to fall back on if you leave booking your test at the last minute. That's a very good point. And also to highlight, these tests do cost money as well. And the longer that you leave to book the UCAT specifically, it does get more expensive. I think for the UCAT, there are kind of funding available for you to set that, depending on your financial background. So that is something to look into on the respective websites to see if there is funding there and if you meet those requirements for that funding. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, overall, applying to university, like if you're taking that into consideration, it can probably be about £100, £150 Mm. once you've Mm -hmm. done your UCAS and UCAT and potentially BMAT as well. Yeah. Now I've filled out all my details for UCAS, I've smashed out a personal statement, I've sat the dreaded UCAT and BMAT tests, I'm now on to choosing which uni I want to go to. What type of things are important when I'm thinking about what unis I want to apply to? I think for me personally, um, it was where I was going to be happiest. Obviously, I had to take into consideration the grades and yeah, the academic requirements that were needed but my first choice completely changed when I went to visit the universities and I think that's something I would like to pass on to those that are listening because that would be my main tip to go and visit the universities I know that's kind of quite restricting right now with COVID but it might completely change your decision. Following on from that point Becky I think it is really important to be picky you know you are desperate to get into dentistry but also you've got to be picky because you're going to be here for the next five years or so so think about things do you want to be so far away from home is there a university that does dentistry that's closer what is the city like that you're going to do you like that city is there things that you could do in that city when you go there the general feel of the city does that match what you're looking for and financially is that city an option for you look at things such as accommodation These are all different factors that you need to consider when you're picking a uni because the last thing you want to do is have worked so hard to get to the uni and then get there and realise very quickly that that's not the place for you and you then either have to leave or endure that for the next five years. When picking a university, I thought a lot about what I wanted to be able to gain after the five years. Back then, I really wanted to go to a Russell Group University And I wanted to be in a university that offered quite a lot of opportunities. Luckily, a lot of the dental universities are Russell Group universities. I thought about the course structure as well. So some universities will be doing what's called PBL, also known as problem-based learning, where you're given an assignment and you go off to research a bit about it and then come back and present it to a small group. Whilst other universities have a more traditional course, where you go to lectures, you have seminars, and you also have small group sessions. Some universities will be offering really early clinical contact. So that was one of the reasons I applied to Leeds, because I knew that the clinical contact started from first year. And I wanted to start the clinical aspect of the course really early, because that was the part I knew I would enjoy the most. Whilst other universities 
do more of the theory in first and second year and then we'll start clinics in third year. I think all this information can be found out on the university websites as well so if like Priscilla was saying she likes the clinical aspect of it which we all do that's what we go in to do um dentists so um yeah you'll be able to find all this information on the university websites of what structure they have as a university and what learning resources they use as well during the whole application process there's probably two periods of time that you will be at your most nervous and that's when you've submitted your application and you're waiting to hear back to see if you've got an interview and then after your interview where you're waiting to hear again to see if you've got an offer. So if you are invited to an interview, these will either be held as a panel interview where you'll be interviewed by a group of people or what is known as MMI, which is multiple mini interviews, which depends on the uni, which interview style they pick. So in the MMI, you will go through a variety of stations and you'll get interviewed by different people as you move along. And there'll be different activities that you need to do. So there might be certain manual dexterity stations or role plays, or you might be asked to read an article and answer questions on it. But then there will be some traditional interview questions, such as why do you want to be a dentist? It's good to do a little bit of research when you're trying to prepare for interviews to find out what interview style your university uses. I think one of my tips uh, would be to, again, practice, but practice out loud. Speak to others, get as many people as you can to ask you the most random questions that they can. You don't know for a fact what questions are going to come up. So the more practice you have at answering questions completely out of the blue, whether they be dental related or your opinion on something. Being able to think and structure questions quickly is great practice for the interview. My most important point for interviews would be, as hard as it is, try and relax. The interviewers want to see your personality. They want to see you. They don't want to see a nervous person who can't string a sentence together. So try and breathe. Try and keep your nerves to a minimum. It's easier said than done, but by practicing and answering questions, you should hopefully feel a bit more confident before you go for your interview. You also want to try to organise um, lots of mock interviews that you can do. So I was quite fortunate because I asked my school to organise a small mock interview for me and they set up different stations in one of the classrooms and I went round and pretended it was a real interview and answered lots of different questions. And something like that really helped me to manage my nerves because I was put in that pressured situation and I practiced how to respond and what sort of answers I would ideally give. Becky, do you have any tips of what you can do while you're waiting to hear back? I think looking back on it now, it is, it's a very daunting time. You're waiting to hear back about your future. You've done everything you can up until that point. You've put your heart and soul into it. I think the main thing is not to sort of dwell on it too much you will hear back when you hear back and in that time you can focus on other things you'll have exams to focus on and study for it'll be quite overwhelming with your peers maybe hearing back from university but remember some of them are hearing back from other courses entirely so focus on yourself and when you hear back you hear back and hopefully it'll be good news i think it's important what you say there becky you will hear back when you hear back. 
you might have friends that are applying to the exact same dental school that get an invitation to an interview or an offer of a place before you and you've not heard anything. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get a place. Universities send out offers at different times and send them out in waves to see the response that they get from those offers. So there's plenty of time for you to hear back. And until you have heard a firm decision, either way, then don't rule anything out. I think a massive tip here is actually when you do hear back from UCAS, make sure you've remembered your username and password because it's quite heart-dropping when the email comes through. You're like trying to put your username and password in. Even if you don't receive any offers for dental school, it doesn't mean that that's the end of your dental journey. And I think it's really important to know from the offset that there are alternative routes into dentistry. Not everybody goes straight from school. Both Becky and myself have degrees already. So we are enrolled on a graduate entry dentistry course. Becky, what was it that you'd done before dentistry? I did dental therapy. I went to University of Dundee. So that was a three-year course. So I'm currently a qualified dental therapist. So that is one route that you can take. Another route is taking a life science. I myself done biomedical science at the University of Edinburgh. So I think here it is important to note that if you don't get in the first time, there are other ways that you can get in, such as doing another degree and then applying. Just following on from Ryan about the alternative routes. So a main point to make is that although... Yes, we've taken these alternative routes and our end goal was always dentistry. We both had to be happy with where we would end up in our professional careers. So me personally, I chose dental therapy because I thought, well, I'd rather do some clinical work as opposed to none at all. So if I was to work as a therapist for the rest of my career, I would be content and happy with that. So it is something to consider if this was a route that you end up taking. Another thing to consider is some universities do do foundation years and by that I mean it's an additional year at the beginning that focuses on sciences. So instead of five years for an undergraduate dentistry course, it would be six years. Some universities, for example, Bradford and Leeds, have a relationship where you only need to do one year of clinical science out of the three years that is expected. And then after the one year, you can transfer to first year of studying dentistry. This is extremely competitive and you need to have the mindset that you could end up studying clinical sciences for three years. So make sure that this is something that you would enjoy doing. You can also take a year out. So a couple of people in my course actually took a gap year before applying to dentistry. And during that year, they used that time to work, use that time to travel and also do lots more work experience in the healthcare and dentistry sector so that they could make a stronger application when they applied the second time round. I was in quite an interesting position because I heard back from some of my universities quite early on and I got three offers, three dental offers from them. But there was one university that really delayed in responding back to me and I was really worried that I wouldn't get an interview and I kept hearing from different websites and different people that they got interviews for this university. And later on, it turned out that I got rejected from that one university. I was really disappointed that I got rejected from that one university. And the way I coped with that was to 
email them and just ask for feedback on how I could make my application stronger just in case I had to apply the next year. But on the other hand, I had three dental offers to choose from, from universities that I really wanted to go to. So I was able to pick my firm and insurance university for dentistry. And I feel like after picking your university, that's when the pressure sort of sets in because then you need to achieve the grades. Usually the offers are conditional, so they're based on you achieving the grades that they set out in their entry requirements. So that was when I had to work really hard in order to get the grades needed. So we've covered a lot in this episode. And just to recap the application process for you, so you know in your head what you're going to be facing. You've got a UCAS application to start out. Fill in your personal details while you've got loads of time just now. Don't leave that till last minute. You've got a personal statement to be writing, which should tell us why you want to do dentistry and why you're the right person to get a place at dental school. It's really important that you spend a lot of time perfecting that and getting as many people as you can to read that. You're also going to be sitting UCAT or BMAT or both. And again, it's important to practice for them. Then when you've submitted your application, you'll wait to hear back for interviews. Hopefully you'll be invited to loads of interviews for dental school. And these will either take the form of a panel or an MMI. And then after that, you're waiting again to hear back and see if you've got offers. If you do, then great. And if not, we've talked a little bit about alternative routes that can get you to the end destination that you want. But as Becky mentioned, it's important to be content wherever you end up. So we hope you've found this information useful and you've learned a little bit more about the application process for dentistry. And thank you, Priscilla, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This was really great. We are really enjoying making these episodes and we hope you have found them interesting and learned a little more about dentistry. And you can follow us on Instagram at dental underscore appointment to keep up to date with us. Until our next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.